Support for Gig with Mike Redman comes from Music Connection. For 45 years, connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Gig, the ultimate podcast for learning about jobs in the music and film industry. I'm your host, Mike Redman. Very rarely have I met someone that is a music artist and also has a second career in an entirely different industry. Well, today, I had the chance to speak with country music artist Brian Ruby, who also plays professional baseball. One of the striking things about my conversation with Brian is how candid he is about his life and his dreams in the music industry. Judging from his rich baritone voice and country roots, he's well on his way. So put your hands together and welcome Brian Ruby. Thanks for joining me this morning. This is pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're leading an exciting life these days, aren't you? Just one day at a time. Yeah, on the road. Are you on the road a lot, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually up in um, in New York City right now. I got a gig tomorrow night. Oh, where? It's at uh, Rockwood Music Hall, which is in Manhattan. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, but... And get back to Nashville after that. I was gonna say that's that's quite a that's quite a uh, yeah, cultural shift, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a, a different different place, but it's cool to visit. You know, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of energy. I used to go up there a lot, and and I had a job up there, and God, every time I went up, it's just like you get this boost just walking down the street. I mean, it's kind of yeah. weird. We'll just jump right in if you don't mind, uh, so that right. you can get to bed. <laughs> I'm, I'm up. I mean, I, I mean, after the show, I'm, I'm after the show tomorrow. I'm going to sleep. I'm not going out, but today I'm up. I mean, I got a ton of energy, so we can go as long as you want. I just thought it was kind of fascinating that you kind of have two careers that run simultaneous. Would you just talk about that? I mean, how you juggle being a professional baseball player and a country musician. I mean, yeah, there are two, two things that require a lot of time. Yeah. So I'm definitely short on free time, but these days we're wrapping up the baseball stuff. This is my last season playing ball. Oh, uh, it is. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm cool with that. That was a decision I made definitely going in the music direction, but growing up, it was always, you know, you think about the kind of music that you hear on the ball field, it's country music yeah. for the most part. And so those two worlds actually go hand in hand. And those have just been the environments that I've grown up in. And it's actually good nowadays because when we're in season, yeah, we play at night mostly, except on the weekends, we play under the lights at night. So we have a couple hours free in the morning. And what can I do during that time? Yeah. Write a song. I always have my guitar with me. I've yeah. written hundreds of songs on the road. I'm just a journeyman ball player, so you know I'm not really destined for the big leagues. Just an independent league, minor league type guy, and and it's it's just been a blessing for me to play ball this long and to keep it going. And it's wrapping up, and that's okay. And we have some momentum with music, and we're starting to build and release songs and. And that's definitely the direction I want to go in. That's cool. I can tell with your baritone. I can tell your speaking voice, your baritone, man. This is like, yeah. <laughs> that low country. Uh, it takes a real different 
set of skills to play ball. I mean, but and sing, but there's a lot of discipline that's kind of the same, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is. It's and a lot of failure too, mm. especially with baseball. You fail. Let's say you fail seven out of ten times. You're th- you're hitting three hundred. You know, uh-huh. and but that's a lot of failure and you're an all-star if you hit 300 get three yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah yeah in songwriting it's actually the odds are worse (laughs) you're not gonna get three hits out of 10 songs that you write i mean maybe if you're like desmond child or somebody who's uh, (laughs) truly like an otherworldly songwriter but for most people it's you got to write a whole lot of songs to maybe get one good one and so it's just showing up every day yep putting the work in sometimes you're feeling good sometimes you're not yeah that's that's a common misconception about baseball players and when i was a kid i i used to watch major league games on tv Mm -hmm. and think to myself man those guys must feel so good every day they're major league Uh, baseball players right they're super athletes and actually being a, a pro athlete um the truth is that most days you don't feel great because you play a lot of games and you're not truly at a hundred percent because it's a tough travel schedule. Yeah. A lot like being a musician once one place to the next going and going and going. And, and so it's actually the, the best players are the ones who can still perform when they're only feeling 70% of their best on any given day. You know, and it's it's the same thing with successful songwriters. I've noticed they can show up in the room and they can they can put everything else to the side and they can really focus in and write a good song. So there's a lot of similarities between the music world and the sports world. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I have a lot of friends in Nashville. Nashville seems like to be the place that songwriting is a craft. You know, I mean, I mean, people there. Wow, they tear them apart like scriptwriters for a hit TV show. You know, just every single word, exactly what it means. And do you do you like participate in any of the? Uh, I can't what they forget what they're called. You know, when you write, you're writing. Yeah, I, well, it's co-writing, but yeah, it's usually three or four people sitting in a room tossing songs around. Do you do that? Yeah, that's that's most of what I do every uh-huh. day. It's writing with different people, and it's a lot like dating. You put different combination, you know, you write with a different writer and you see how it works out. You decide if you want to write again or, you you know, then, or you, if you don't, then you look for other writers and Mm. it's, it's, it's feeding off of each other's ideas and trying to come up with the best song. And we say the best song wins. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to put your ego to the side. You think you have a good idea, but somebody else has a really good idea, you know, Mm -hmm. then you put your ego to the side, you'll write your idea at another day and you focus on the one that's really good. And it's, yeah. it's an exercise in, in discipline too, because yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a whole lot of writing and a whole lot of crafting and, and constantly thinking about with the songs that we've written. Well, maybe we can change this, make that a little bit better. Yeah. You know, take this part out, add this in, this part's a little too long, you know, um so it's it's really uh it's a craft it's something that i i love that's the whole reason i moved to nashville yeah to write songs 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, that. So, what's one of the best things to you about just being in the music business? Just, I think the coolest thing for me is actually. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Uh huh. Hearing people's songs before they're released. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because working with the writers, they'll say, "Oh, we wrote this for so and so," and and let me play it for you. And I'll. I love that when that happens. You know, I yeah. get an inside look at what somebody else is about to release and uh-huh. and i talk to the writers and and a lot of people like i've been in certain situations where people will see a a hit artist and people will really freak out like yeah oh my god it's so and so can i get mm-hmm. a picture yeah and i don't really i don't really like crush on the big artists yeah so much i i truly you know, there'll be some obscure writer who had a hit in like 2005 or uh-huh. 1995 or whatever. And I, I will see them. And that's when I'll, oh my God, it's so-and-so. And <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. That? <laughs> it's like, that's the guy that wrote whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really all about the writing and, and um, it's a songwriter's town and, and I'm a very, very, very small part of it. And that I, I love being part of it. Do you find yourself writing about specific subjects or is it your life or is it the world? You know what I mean? Is it, yeah. is there some motivating or some kind of focus that of your, for your music? Sometimes, sometimes it's, I, I actually think the songs turn out better when you can really focus in and apply it to a certain situation. Yeah. Because sometimes a songwriter will say, let's write a song about such and such, you know, mm-hmm. in a relationship or whatever. And, it really helps me if I can have something to relate it to from my life. Yeah. I yeah. can, it's more real. It's more authentic. Uh, we, we write songs about all kinds of different things. And a lot of the songs that I'm releasing now, I have a song called baseball country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. I heard that. It's great. It's, yeah. Thank you. It's uh, sort of the soundtrack of, of life on the ball field. It's uh-huh. kind of the theme of my debut EP, which is going to be out at the end of this baseball season in October. Awesome. So it's it's uh, it's called Diamonds Are Forever and all the songs on it feel like they could be ballpark country. Mm-hmm. Like you can really hear it in that environment and that's just that was authentic for me. So that's yeah. that's what really spurred that and, and I felt like it was a great place to start with my songs that I'm releasing myself as an artist. Another one that I did the standouts recently which was a duet with Ty Herndon is a, a tribute to people that we know who are really standing out from the crowd. And we sort of have a common message of don't be afraid to stand out. Here's to the standouts, the big down and the push down. That's why I want to talk to you a little bit about that song in particular because I mean, it's a really beautiful song. I can tell it has a special meaning to you and Ty. Yeah. So how did did you both? Is it a, did you co-write it? Did you track down Ty? How did it work out? Yeah, I co-wrote it with my friends Chad Sellers and Anthony Fiddler. Chad's a great songwriter from Iowa, lives in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Anthony's from uh, Canada, 
sort of near the Vancouver area. Uh-huh. And so we got a, I originally released it as a single, just as a solo artist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this past fall and was getting a lot of messages from people who heard the song who were telling me about people who are standouts in their lives. No, oh, that's cool. And so I was kind of thinking about redoing it as a duet mm-hmm. and getting somebody who, who, who himself is a standout who has gone through lots of challenges but persevered. Sure. And it's still here making music, doing good things, hitting the road, playing shows. You know, mm-hmm. he has a foundation that's great. Um, so that's why we asked Ty and he jumped on it. He said yes. And cool. I was very nervous to be honest because he's a great singer and somebody who just has outstanding vocals and so i was really training taking voice lessons for Mm -hmm. months and and practicing and practicing and trying to be ready so that i could keep up with them when the time came when we hit the studio and i was i was proud to to do that and Mm -hmm. be able to hang with them vocally and we we just played the the song together live for the first time, which was really cool. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 a nice moment. We all, especially creative people, we all suffer from imposter syndrome. You know, right. <laughs> I don't I don't deserve to be here, kind of thing. Yeah, was that at the end of that recording? Was that kind of like a a moment when you thought, you know what, I'm pretty good at this? I definitely felt like like I could hang. Yeah. Like that was something I was nervous about, like, especially vocally, because, you know, and, and it definitely another moment that where I sort of felt that was the concert for Love and Acceptance, which this is a big concert with mm-hmm. lots of label artists on it, <clears throat> artists who are a couple steps ahead of me, like Maddie and mm-hmm. Tay, Chrissy Metz, um, a whole bunch of other great artists. And I felt like, when we were on stage in that moment mm-hmm. and especially just hanging out backstage, I definitely felt like, okay, these people, I really respect them, but they're human. Right. Yeah. They, right. I saw some other artists getting nervous before they went on stage. You know, that's a very normal thing. Like, yeah. and I, I was like, okay, I can, I can be, be a part of this crew. I can hang with these people and, and I felt like our performance was we hung with them. So it was yeah. it was definitely an affirming moment for me because I still feel like to answer your imposter syndrome question, I still feel like the kid who was playing the open mic at the coffee shop back home yeah. on Tuesday sure. nights yeah. in front of two people uh-huh. singing songs that I'm glad nobody's ever heard <laughs> because they weren't that great and doing covers of other songs and, and now it's real. And we're we're on stage and we're, we're playing gigs and and touring and opening up for people. And, and it feels very real. So it's, so luckily, I mean, some of that imposter syndrome is, is going away little by little every day. been a hell of a year how did you see who i was and who i was gonna be i could have been right was probably wrong so 
So let's talk. Let's talk about the studio a little bit because I grew up. I grew up in the studio, and and uh, and I I was an artist as well at one point. And that's where uh, I think a lot of people uh, you get in there, and that's when the nerves, you know, the red light syndrome, you know, that mm-hmm. moment. Did you sing with Tide? Did you guys sing together? Or uh, yeah, it, so yeah? We, we tracked vocals at. Um, I had originally tracked vocals from the single version um, at Santee Sound in Nashville, which is in North Nashville, with the oh, guy yeah. David Axelrod, a great vocal producer. Oh, yeah. But the duet we tracked at um, Sandtrack Sound, which is right on Music Row, owned by mm-hmm. Warner, with Mark Lonsway, was the vocal producer. So that's a big, historic Music Row studio yeah, that's been around yeah. for a while. and. It definitely felt very real. Like, all right, we're driving down Music Row, parking in the parking lot, yeah. <laughs> and um, but again, I, I felt like I don't, I don't necessarily get the red light syndrome as much as the on-stage performance nerves. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, huh. You know, the the studio is a really, really uh, vulnerable environment because. The only thing that's on is your voice. Nothing can hide it. Not big drums or yeah. people screaming in the crowd or that, that distracts from the actual vocal. It, it's truly your time to shine. And I, but I felt, I really felt ready for it. And I felt cool. prepared. Oh, that's cool. It, it was a really cool feeling to like have, feel like I had confidence in front of the mic and. Mm-hmm. But that was confidence that came from training. Yeah, lots of training, right. In, in baseball, I used to have a motto that I would write on the, the inside of my ball cap, trust uh-huh. the training. And because we would train so much and take so much batting practice and so many throws and so many ground balls, yeah. and, and you train it into your system so that when, when you get to the moment, it's just like another time getting a hit. And it's the, yeah. the same thing, and with singing, I felt like I trained it in, and and now I can do it. And I'm gonna keep training, of course. But yeah, I, I truly like I idolize iconic vocalists like Freddie Mercury, Steven uh-huh. Tyler, some yeah. of those rock guys who can really, really sing. And I want to be one of those people one day that somebody looks at me and says man brian ruby he can really sing they really yeah. put on the show and we're not there yet like, yeah i, I yeah. know that and i'm not afraid to admit that but we we will be there one day you know I, yeah that's awesome i i'll share a quick little story with you i was uh <clears throat> signed to atlantic at one point and was recording at criteria down in miami at a really famous time you know when bgs were in one room and Crosby Stills and Nash was in another room. I mean, Barbara Streisand was in another room. And we had a singer in our band, and it was mostly my music. And he had this incredible voice, you know, just, just, just you know, those people that you see that like Freddie Mercury, it's just natural. It's just already there. They yeah. don't have to, they don't have to work at, they have to work at it to sound bad, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, but they, they liked the sound of my voice. And I spent eight hours recording one track. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, it turned out okay, but I struggled for years after that. But then I decided that I kind of like singing, 
And over time, I was, you know, uh, fronting a band. And then all of a sudden, I remember thinking, wow, my voice is starting to sound pretty good. Now, had you heard me for the very first time, you might think I always sounded like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to happen to you, too, that, that that idea of just continually doing it and doing it and doing it. You know, the, the little pitch things, the little, you know, phrasing things, the breath things, the chest voice, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it all comes just by doing it. It's like exactly like you said, sitting in that batting cage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's failing, too. And it's pushing mm-hmm. yourself. And, and yeah. you know, my voice, when we do our training, I'll push it. And sometimes it'll crack. Like, mm-hmm. but, but I know... Therefore, I know my limits, yeah. what I can get away with on stage, and and I push it. And then all of a sudden, you know, a month later, I realize, okay, I, I can get to this note that I couldn't get to before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to one of the Beach Boys last night. Um, we were at an event in, in New York, this guy, John Cousel, um, who I, I met and was was talking to him about improving as a musician over the years. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me he's so excited to get back to Nashville in October and and write more and, and working on a new record for one of his projects. I'm not sure which one. And it, it's like that constant drive to get better at your yeah. craft, no yeah. matter what what the um, what the commercial market says about it. Right. That, yeah. You know, there there's times when you're going to be a popular and times when you're not, but as a musician, you just kind of have to keep working. And a lot of the popularity part of it is, 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 uh, based on external factors that are way out of your control. Oh yeah. And uh, oftentimes when we write a song, I have no idea if it's going to be a hit or not, you know, in the writer's Mm -hmm. room in Nashville and, and a lot of it depends on the marketing and how much money they put behind it. And, and right. so that's, that's all external stuff. And for me as an independent artist, it's, it's truly just trying to get better Yeah. and you keep getting better and you try to find enjoyment in the writing and the creating that's, mm-hmm. that's what can create like a lifelong passion. How important do you think it is for a musician like yourself that's, you know, really into the craft, really into writing, really a creative person to understand the business that they're in, you know, the business side? I think the business side is something that I'm actively trying to understand every day. (laughs) Um, Ty actually said a great piece of advice that he gave me, Ty Herndon. After we recorded, he said, learn as much as you can about the business part of this. Yeah. Because there are, it is a strange business mm-hmm. um, that can't easily be explained in a textbook. Right. You know, it's, it's constantly changing the music industry. And and I think it's very important to, you know, we have to, it's like left brain, right brain. You have to mm-hmm. devote a certain amount of time to the artistic pursuit of it. Mm-hmm. And getting better at your art and then you have to devote a, a whole nother portion of time to getting the business down and making sure you're making good decisions and so it's it's very important it's like everybody that's an artist is also an entrepreneur right you know 
And, and so you have to take, right. You have to take on the social media part. You have to do these kinds of things. You have to, um, understand where's the money go? What is, you know, what, what do I get every time it streams on Spotify? How do I get to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. So you wear like eight different hats as an artist, artist, songwriter, your, uh, (laughs) You sometimes a tour manager of yourself, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're sometimes I'm driving my truck to cross the country to go play gigs and yeah. so, um, social media manager, like mm-hmm. um, you know, music rights manager, making sure everything's uploaded correctly with the PROs on BMI. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a lot of you wear a lot of hats, but I think. Another thing that I believe is like, it's not the instances of labels taking new artists that have nothing out and are, Mm -hmm. are truly very green and signing those people based off Mm -hmm. of talent are few and far between anymore. And I think that a lot of people, because you can build yourself, it's possible with social media these days and, and the streaming, a lot of labels are are not betting or guessing on, on super green artists. Right. Instead, they're waiting for you to do the work yourself. That's right. Build, build up to a point where you're signable, and they can take a shot on you and have a, a good chance on getting their bet right. And yeah. so, but in order to get there, you got to do all the work yourself to build up to that point. So that's yeah. that's a stage that I'm in right now. I'm an independent mm-hmm. artist, yeah. And, and you know, I'm trying to work as hard as I possibly can every day and think outside the box and create my my brand and my sound of music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, everybody writes down. Well, some people write down like New Year's resolutions. I know this is June when we're having this conversation, but uh, some people might write have a song that gets streamed a hundred thousand times or a million times or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and and my resolution for this year was find my sound mm. you know like find and i think it'd be ever evolving but yeah. it was find a sound that that because we're all influenced by different things i'm influenced by a lot of a lot of uh, 80s arena rock queen sure. Aerosmith, like i mentioned mixed with Mellencamp and early kenny chesney and uh-huh. Tim McGraw, and that's all of those people are sort of me yeah. kind of combined into one i'm not really like any one of them in particular but i definitely draw influences from all that mm-hmm. but yet i have an artistic vision of like okay what i want my sound to be like yeah upbeat up tempo really rocking with some songs and 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 uh genuine authentic mm-hmm. storytelling and so all, fusing all that together and trying to find a vibe yeah. is is a big it's a big focus of mine right now and and um you know it's definitely a a process oriented goal like mm-hmm. something that i i can work at every day yeah. instead of that pure numbers goal like get a certain number of followers or streams yeah that's really difficult that's i mean and it's not it's so far away from the art isn't it yeah that's that's the goal yeah 
So uh, let me ask you just one last question here. Do you have some advice for somebody else that's kind of like navigating the business and just starting out? Because you're on the ladder. Somebody yeah. that's some, somebody's looking at the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm on the ladder. I'm not super high on the ladder, to be honest, but I'm climbing up. Yeah. Uh, advice, I would say, you know, I think about a younger version of myself who was like that kid in my bedroom writing songs uh -huh. and not knowing if I should do this or not and, and showing up at the open mic and on Thursday nights and playing in front of two people and stumbling through original songs and and the advice is just keep going you know you never know who you're going to meet on any given night i would say put yourself in in different situations where you can meet musicians you want to find your people like last night i went to this another songwriter that i follow on instagram i saw mm -hmm. he had a show in new york and just so happened to be here you know getting ready to open up for that gig tomorrow night and um and i was, realized i was standing next to one of the beach boys like yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And we exchange numbers and and hopefully get to hang out when he's in nashville next um but you, you truly don't know who you're going to meet and and uh just building a crew of musicians that you hang with is really yeah. important for not just your career but probably for mental health too oh you know, yeah you want to you want to make friends and you want to you want to hang out with people who are who are who understand you so mm -hmm. that's that's definitely a a piece of advice for for younger me who was like a just a little bit of a loner sitting in yeah. my bedroom writing songs by myself yeah get out like, there yeah you gotta you gotta get out of there get out of your comfort zone a little bit Wow. Brian, thank you. This is this is awesome, man. Pleasure to meet you. And I wish you so much luck in the future, man. I'm going to be following you. Thank you. It was a great to be on and and I uh, love what you're doing with the podcast. And um, my pleasure. I'll come back anytime. Okay, man. You take care of yourself. Thanks again. All right. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Theme music for Gig with Mike Redmond was composed and produced by Other Animals. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Gig with Mike Redman. If you like what you heard, I'd ask that you subscribe and like us. And finally, if you have questions about a job or ideas for an episode, contact me at gigwithmikeredman at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Redman, signing off.